0: Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here as always with Brett Jones. Brett, what's going on, my friend? Living the
1: life of Riley, man. Just, uh, it, it's all, it's all rainbows and sunshine
0: over here. That's a, that's, hey, it's a beautiful thing when there's rainbows and sunshine, but usually, <laughs> usually you get the rainbow, then the sunshine. Anyways, this not about the order because that's not terribly important. Um, I'm surprised we haven't talked about a movie quote we're already like 45 seconds in we haven't talked about a movie quote yet but anyways uh we'll get to that soon I'm sure we will um so Brett convinced me or convinced ourselves or I don't know he just brought up the topic if I'm being brutally honest here uh we're going to (laughs) talk about um uh, a recent ebook that I wrote called building the engine it's uh something that I uh, put out through strong and fit BJJ fanatics uh I don't know probably I don't know four to six months ago. I can't really remember um when it uh when it came out. But uh a lot of people ask me sort of, you know, where did it come from? Uh where did I get the ideas? Um how did I figure out how to sort of match it all together. And uh and today I guess I'm gonna self promote, which I'm not very, very good at, but um I will say this, we've had some uh we've had some pretty good success using this protocol or or similar protocols um with a lot of my fighters. Um and and I think one of the reasons is because we have baselines and we have testing and we take the information and we run the tests and apply and and try to create a uh, a model where there's uh you know an, uh, a decent amount of stress and adaptation but it's not going to kill you but it's going to gently nudge you to being in uh, really really good shape and and the beauty of it is it will meet you where you're at, meaning, you know, whatever your test is, we're using those numbers. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people uh, don't really think about is they use someone else's numbers or they guess and they say, Hey, oh, you know, three years ago I did this. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you did that three years ago, you probably can't do it now. So I I think one of the things that um, you should always look for in in, in a program in general is, is there some sort of starting point or baseline? Uh, 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 A starting position, because I think a lot of people don't, don't really think about where they're at. They think about where they want to be. And if you don't know where you're supposed to start, then how can you create the best path there? So, uh, we'll dig a little bit deeper into that a little bit, but, um, it's, uh, it's something that's been a a labor of love. And every time I, you know, get, get asked about it, I always am like, I wish I changed this. I wish I changed this. I wish I changed this, but I feel like that's going to be everything that I ever write. So, um, so yeah, we're going to talk about that today. Anything you want to add, Brett, cuz you've seen that you've seen it, you've you've nudged through it and and uh you've you've recommended it to people, but um yeah, anything else you want to add before we we dig here?
1: Uh as Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And uh, you know, if if you're going to use uh if you're going to Google directions, it always asks you for your current location um or your starting point. So we should be pretty familiar by now that just from a, a real base base level standpoint, we got to have a starting point to your, to your point. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've recommended the, the, uh, ebook to folks, uh, you know, I was, uh, working with one of my students and, and he was, uh, we were, uh, knocking off an SFL requirement and getting really focused on getting that done. And, um, so we were backing off a little bit on a lot of other movements and, um, I'm like, look, just, you've gotten it you've got the, an air bike, get the ebook, follow the program, you know, Bob, just do it. And, um, and he's like, Oh, I love it. Um, so, um, uh, really effective and, and really good. And, um, I, I do want to just kind of go a little bit piece by piece with, with you. And, and I, I, um, you know, understand what you're saying about the, the self-promotion thing and, you know, talking about your own product and, and, um, things like that can be a a little, uh, uncomfortable the first couple of times you do it. Uh, um, but, um, you know, uh, there's a George Bernard Shaw quote that, uh, the biggest illusion in communication is that it's happened. And <laughs> I fall into, I fall into the trap and a lot of other people fall into the trap is like, well, I, I said that already understood, but you're <laughs> probably going to need to say it a few more times. So today is our our attempt to get Mike to uh, say it a few more times. Um <laughs> there you go. When so what's historically um as you cuz what's in the ebook is the result of how many years of development of those those types of protocols.
0: Ten, probably 10 years uh 10 years where I could get to the point where I felt comfortable enough that someone would want to buy it. <laughs> Honestly, right. uh, it's, it's, it's been 10 years. And, um, and, and I got, I got more into sort of the energy system developed mainly because of my work with uh, mixed martial arts and, uh, wanting to learn more about training fighters. And, um, one of the things that I didn't have early on was a method to test people safely. Um, and, and, and when I say that is, you know, a lot of people say, well, just go out and have them run a couple miles." Well you know, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Most of the fighters that I've worked with, if they run two miles as fast as possible, they're going to be injured. They're not going to give me a good baseline, uh, as far as where they're at because they're not good runners. So I needed something that was repeatable, that was safe and something that would easily allow me to get people training as quickly as possible. Right. And and that's one of the reasons why I decided to use this methodology and traditionally being a soccer player, I always used the Cooper test, the two mile test. Right. And, and my big thing was you do two miles. And, um, I, you know, w- when I was training for the Cooper test, I just kind of, to be honest, I made it up. I, I kind of had like some long days and some short days, but it was more just me working really hard over and over and over again till I hit my goal. Um, and then I realized, well, that's not the, the best way to do it. But, um, it really, it was born out of the fact that there was these baseline tests that I had used for soccer. um, and I didn't really have anything for MMA, and as I started to, you know, dig deep into testing, um, I came across the work of Dan Baker, um, who's a is a fantastic strength and conditioning coach, and uh, he has a ton of information on maximum aerobic speed. And, uh, for me, it was like, wow, here's a very, very simple way to test this. Now he was using different protocols with, with, um, you know, field and court athletes. But for me, I I didn't have that luxury. I said, you know what? Um, I want to do something similar, but I just want to do it on a bike. Um, I want to make it. So the testing will get me uh, repeatable information and, Uh, I decided to come up with a basic, you know, it's a five minute test where you go on the bike and you try to, um, you know, complete as, as much distance as possible. And, and through that test, that's the maximum aerobic speed test. Um, what we're trying to see is your average RPM, which would be your maximum aerobic speed, right? Not how high you can peak, but what is your average over time? And what we do is we, we take the information from that five minute test and We look at how much distance did you cover within five minutes and what is your average RPMs. And that will give us two data points, uh, sort of distance covered to see what you can do in that given amount of time, but also another thing is just RPM. So that'll be our maximum aerobic speed, which is a hundred percent number. So now that we have a hundred percent number, we can start to look at different percentages and build upon that. So that is where um, a a decent part of this book came from. Um, Another part of this came from, learning about sprint repeatability and sprint intervals and understanding the difference between the two. Because uh, I'll be honest, early on, I would just do a bunch of sprint intervals. Um, and uh, I wasn't really doing sprint repeats. And and really, the main difference is a sprint interval. You can run in, in any interval you want, because you're not really paying attention to the performance aspect. Yes, you're working hard, but you're not saying, hey, I'm going to maintain uh you know x percentage for each repetition. So um there's different ways to do it, but um sprint repeats, every single interval should be and in, in, in a perfect world identical. And and in intervals, there can be some variability. So I wanted to kind of have a blending of the two because um you're gonna have good days and bad days. Uh and also but you need a target. So when I started putting some of the numbers together for a lot of the ana work which is in that program, mm-hmm. um I said to myself, well, we need to be able to hit like 85 to 88% of our repeats over time for our ANA work. And, and, uh, and I forget where it said, but I want to say that, um, I was listening to maybe something Paul said, and maybe you can back me up on this. It's, um, after what is it after about, I think it's, there's a 10% drop off in power after a certain amount of time. And I forget what that is. Um, but that was one of the reasons why I decided to use some of those basic numbers. Do you remember any of that, Brett?
1: Well, if we're talking about, um, if, if you look at the energy systems charts and correlate that with power output, um, after 20 seconds, between 20 to 30 seconds, you're going to drop 50% of your power.
0: Yeah, so it's earlier than that. Then and that's 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 exactly why I said, you know what?
1: Yeah, the, the, want... the, the decrease starts earlier, but the the massive drop off is at between 20 yes. to 30 seconds, you you oh, yeah. bottom out over 50% drop in your power. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and so that's one of the reasons why we need metrics, right? And um, you know, one of the things that I had noticed is when I was doing these uh these testing protocols, right? So um we have our Mas protocol, which is the one I was just talking about, which is you know, we are looking at your maximum aerobic speed and we're just getting your 100% of that, which is your your average RPM. But we also have a max effort power test. And the reason for that is if we are doing sprint, uh, let's just call them ANA sprints because I don't want to say intervals and I don't want to say, uh, actually, I should probably call them intervals because they're not technically repeats. But um, my goal, uh, once we figure out how much power you can create. So let's say that you can create a thousand watts in seven to eight seconds. We know that a thousand is 100% of, of what you're able to accomplish. This is easy math. So if we're doing, you know, repeats, five second repeats, our goal is to try to hit between 850 and 870 watts on those repeats. So we're not asking for a full maximal repeat, but it's a sub-maximal repeat. And then that's kind of the whole point of, of sort of the A world is, we want to get short bursts. We want them to be repetitive, but hopefully we can accumulate volume over time, um, and sort of, uh, train to the point where we're able to manage the metabolic waste in the process. And and that's the beauty of ANA because it really checks two boxes that you've got your sprint and your power repeats, um, and you can build the aerobic system. And that is where, um, really those, those two, um, those two really came from as far as the testing procedure goes. So let me ask a question. Mm -hmm.
1: I come into you as a new student.
0: Is this what we're doing on day one? No, (laughs) this is not what we're doing on day one. (laughs) Um, I will say if, if I, if I do have a, a brand new professional fighter and, um, they've been training and we have six weeks, I'm just going to say, Hey dude, we got to do this because you've got to fight. And this is, uh, time is not on our side. So, you know, with, with, with certain situations, we will use it right out of the gate. Um, but um, someone that's brand new that hasn't done ever any high intensity work, you know, I would probably stay away from it. But if you, if you, if you like to push yourself, like, again, this is great for grapplers because most grapplers like to push themselves, right? If you, if you didn't, and you're not doing grappling, <laughs> you're, you're, you're using something else. You're doing mini golf or something. But, um, but, you know, for a lot of people, that are in decent shape, I think this is a fantastic program, but for a brand new individual, this is not good. They just need some basic GPP before that. So I don't want to say it's a peaking protocol because it's not a peaking protocol, but depending on where you're at, um, the beauty of the test is it the, the program will meet you where you're at. So however you test, if you test and you do really, really well, guess what? Your program's going to be really, really hard. So there's always going to be numbers to move. Um, and because it's based off of percentages, you could run this over and over and over again.
1: So if I'm the new student that needs a little ramp up time, um, we would just be doing some easier intervals and and uh, some zone two sort of work and get that yeah. local muscular endurance situation sorted out so that I could really benefit from the protocol from the protocol. Um, but again, uh, you know, uh, within what do you think two to four weeks. Yeah, Um, of laying a a baseline and then then head into the testing and and then then, like I said, it meets you where you're at. So you know your first time through, maybe it's not perfect, but it's where you're at. And and by the time you run it a second time,
0: yeah. And and people and here's the thing too, because it's a five minute test and it's hard. And people self regulate. Because I used to tell people, hey, you know, don't come out too hot. You know, you're gonna be dying. And they they figured that out real quickly. But they come out of the gate and I was like, okay. And then you can all of a sudden, after about 40 seconds, you can hear, you can hear everything sort of wind down and they start to find this gear where they can just keep chugging along. Um, but you know, so before starting the program, what would I recommend is, 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 you know, as a ramp up, honestly, anything, uh, sled pushing and dragging, I think for every single individual out there, If you can get a sled, you know, push it 15 yards and then drag it 15 yards and just start off with three minutes, maybe and add 30 seconds to a minute each day. If you do that two times a week, three times a week, you're going to have some, uh, you're not going to have any issues with your localized muscular endurance. And not to mention, um, you get some amazing GPP and most of my fighters, when they come in, think they have decent muscular endurance, um, until we take them through these sled protocols and we get them onto the bike and, you know. What we try to do is is get to the point where we're we're taxing the entire system and the localized muscular endurance component, which is the legs in this case on the bike stuff. Everybody's quads are just absolutely smoked because it's it's new to them and, and it's pretty taxing. So um, it's going to cook you a little bit at first, but if you can get ahead of that, uh, it's going to be a lot more beneficial. But you will still do fantastic with with the entire program. But the main difference is. Um, The limiting factor at first for a lot of people for the first three to four weeks of this program is going to be localized muscular endurance. Your legs are going to feel it before your lungs. But here's the scoop. If you, you're still going to get a ton out of it because you're still working on stressing the system and getting that adaptation. So if you get to the point where you, you run this program and then you take a little bit of time off and run it again, I think you're going to notice actually like you're going to get ridiculous results because, um, it's covering. Um, pretty much every aspect of of what your body needs to to perform at, at a high level.
1: Love that. love the the sled push and pull recommendation and, and the baseline. Uh, let's I want to drill down just a little bit more on interval interval versus repeat.
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, this is a really important distinction, and it's something that the industry does a really poor job of uh, of helping people understand. If I set up a sprint interval, and I've done this to folks, and, and I look back and I shake my head and think, wow, these poor people, um, that's where you just pick a specific uh, work rest ratio. Um, I'm going to uh, sprint for 30, rest for a minute, sprint for 30, rest for a minute, or you know, I'm going to do a 400, and then I'm going to walk a 400, and then I'm going to sprint a 400, and then I'm going to walk a 400. Um, and so that's that's kind of interval. If I'm doing repeats, then I'm saying if my if my best is X, then I want to run uh, 80% of that, which is how you've structured your your repeats. Um, I want to run 80% of that um, consistently. So mm-hmm. I will rest long enough. The rest is not determined. The The work is determined, but the rest is not determined. We're going to rest long enough to where we can repeat that effort. And this is where when you talk to high-level track athletes, they might run a 100-meter sprint and rest for 15 minutes so that they can repeat that 100-meter sprint again uh, with the same quality. And so it's really an an interesting um, divergence there. Am I missing anything with the interval versus uh, repeat?
0: No, I, I think honestly, I think the biggest thing is is between the two, I would say is data. Um, you know, when I'm looking at true um, sprint repeats, I need a metric. I need a number to hit, whether that is miles per hour or from running, you know, twenty second. Uh, sorry, twenty yard flying twenties. I, I need so basically, in order to repeat, I need a test. And I need data to repeat. Right. So um, you're going to rest a lot longer and your work to rest ratio is going to be dictated by the outcome that you're looking to have. So, for example, you know, if you're if you're running a 10 yard sprint well, 10 yard sprint, you know, almost any athlete is going to do a 10 yard sprint. Um, Even my son, he runs like a, you know like a one seven or something, a one seven five in the 10 yard, but only it's it's a one seven to five. So 10 yards is really, really not that long, right? So um if you think about an elite individual sprinting and running. So for example, you look at someone running a 40, you know, some of the best in the world. Those guys are running four threes, whatever, four twos. I don't even know these days, but so that is a max effort sprint. So you're running 40 yards as fast as possible. It's gonna take, let's say, under five seconds if you want to run that same 40 in the same amount of time, you're going to have to rest upwards of seven to 10 minutes to repeat that same performance again. So if your goal is pure speed, you're going to have to use maximal effort, but rest a lot. Now that is one end of the continuum because most sports don't call for that unless it's a combine, like in a combine, your goal is to run the 40 as quickly as possible. Um, you know, uh, in, um, in, in, powerlifting, you have this one event where you're doing a one RM, right. Where you're, you're hitting, uh, you've got three attempts at, at a deadlift, a squat and a bench press. So you've, you've got that information. So, um, that's one end of the continuum and that is the speed and the power continuum are at one end, which means. You're going to do it really, really fast, really, really heavy and rest a lot and then try to do that over and over again. But when you get into intervals where you start to build conditioning is by doing a bunch of repetitions over and over again, but they're never going to be at maximum effort. And then your work ratio and your rest ratio is going to be dependent on the adaptation that you're looking for. So if you're doing tempo runs as a way to work on some active recovery, but train the aerobic system, your your tempo runs are going to be at 70-ish percent of your, your maximum sprint speed, because it, you want enough. That's going to challenge the system, but not overly tax the system. So it just, the, the rules are always going to be different. And the intervals are always going to be different depending on what your goals are and, and what energy systems you're looking to, uh, improve upon. So the rules of physiology are what they are, and it's a continuum. And that's the whole point of this entire thing is learning how to start with this alactic. lactic power right this this maximum speed and maximum sprint and then understanding how you can go from a lactic power to a lactic capacity and then from lactic power to lactic capacity and then after that you're you're going into the aerobic system and all the different ways that you can train the aerobic system so um it's understanding the continuum and, and when you're trying to target each system there are a certain set of laws if you will not laws but guidelines physiological guidelines that say hey look like for example, when you look at, uh, you know, Charlie Francis, one of the, the best track and field coaches ever talking about, you know, we've got about eight seconds of free energy. He's referring to ATP. I mean, that's physiology. Now, some people have seven, some people have nine. Yes, but eight's kind of the ballpark. So you have to know what the body's capable of and how the body processes fuel, etc., to write a program that is going to be consistent over time. And that's the hard part.
1: So for those listening at home, um, Get the ebook, and <laughs> uh, uh, and you don't have to understand anything that Mike just talked about. But you can experience it, and you'll understand it much better at the end of that experience. Um, obviously, there's a lot that ten year journey that led to uh, this protocol and this this ebook um, went through a lot of research, study, uh, program design you know, uh different different protocols, different uh attempts at doing this. Um, so there's there's a deep knowledge um uh, behind that. And um would you would you take this protocol and apply it to any other modality?
0: Yeah. Um I actually think that this would be uh fantastic for soccer players done with running. And it's very, very easy to do. Now, what I what would I do for a test? I would just do a single mile. Uh, I wouldn't do a two-mile run. You can if you'd like. It's uh, Obviously, the data is going to be different. Um, but uh, again, you just get the percentages, right? You you determine, like, for example, if you're running a mile, you're going to determine, you know, okay, what if you run a six-minute mile? So if you run a six-minute mile, then you're going to have to determine, well, what is your average miles per hour uh, for a six-minute mile? And I believe it's ten. I could be wrong. Uh, it's either ten or twelve. I, I used to know all the numbers because I used to do them all the time. But uh, then you can start to, again. Just get basic, uh, you know, basic information because you know that if you know you're running, you can run a certain speed for X amount of time. And so it's just a nice way to get information. But I would do it the same way. I would I would do an MAS assessment. And as far as you know, a power assessments go, or a sprint assessment, um. I would say honestly, uh, you know, if your body's ready for it, even doing a hundred meter sprint, right. So a hundred meter sprint's going to, you know, take, let's say for a decent soccer player, 12, 13 seconds, decently fit high school player, about 13 seconds. Well, now we have a power profile and we know what it takes, and then you can start to do repeats of that. So, um, there's different ways to do it for sure. But, um, uh, I think the big thing to, to really just think about is, um, is how your body's gonna to respond to the overall volume. Because um doing A work on a bike and doing A an work in sprints, now that I think about it, Brett, I don't know if I would be asking people to do, you know, upwards of 30 max effort, five or six second sprints with only a limited time off. I I would probably say for that I would drop the volume. I would probably defer to Derek Hanson on a lot of his uh, 10 by 10 stuff that he does. And and the reason why I say that is because I do not think that running the A day at max effort for five to six second repeats would be wise because it's just, it's not enough time. And I think we'd probably run into musculoskeletal stuff. Um, so that would be one thing I would actually the impact. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The impact changes things
0: and and that's and now that it's funny because i was just like literally thinking of it when you asked the question i was like some of it will work some of it won't so the so so the that was a great question because the moral of this part of the story is the modality matters it absolutely matters because um a five second bike sprint is very very different than a five second hill sprint or a five second flat land sprint and there's the musculoskeletal component, and and what you know, Coach Boyle always talks about the orthopedic cost. What is the orthopedic cost? And if you do not think that there is an orthopedic cost to sprinting versus bike sprinting, well, go ahead and do thirty-five repeats of five-second sprints, and let me know how it goes. Um, but 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 that's why modalities uh, modalities matter, and you need to pick something that is going to be safe that you can repeat over time. That's why I always go back to the bike with my fighters. I always go back to the bike. The the three modalities that I use the most are bike, ski erg and sleds, um, upper body, lower body, dominant and um, systemic. So I kind of have three buckets to fill occasionally. If they can run, I'll have them do some treadmill work. If they are a good runner, not if they anybody can run, if they're a good runner and we can actually end up with a positive adaptation um you know that's that's what i would recommend
1: love it um not not that we always want to show people how the sausage gets made but uh it's, <laughs> it's really interesting to, to to hear you uh work through the work through the question work through the problem uh on the fly and and i agree i think that uh this is where you know and i hate to use this analogy or to use this example but this is the problem with the tabata protocol right is um everybody you know reads the the conclusion and 20 seconds of work 10 seconds of rest you can get away with you know uh, eight minutes of total work and in a session and you get all these fantastic results well i'm sorry um tabata planks are not a thing yeah you can hold a plank for 20 seconds rest for 10 seconds and repeat it but now you're just using a, a an inverted work rest ratio and and um you know um sure you can do planks that way doesn't mean you're doing tabata yeah you're um, just picking
0: an interval you're just picking an interval because it sounds cool
1: yeah and <laughs> and it and it, it'll suck right it's it's uh i've done 20 seconds 10 seconds rest um stair climber intervals um back in the day back in the the uh 1999 2000 when uh, everything came out of uh muscle media uh 2000 at that time and um they had a uh, stair climber interval program that was based on the Tabata protocol when it was uh, 20 seconds and 10 seconds and, and a few other work ratios uh, over the course of a six to eight week program. Great results. Um, and as soon as I recover from it, I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> and that was 23 years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, just modality matters. Your starting point matters. Your what your goal is what are you trying to accomplish um because there's there's some very general gpp stuff that'll get that'll move the needle a long ways um before you need to to take on a specific uh training protocol but um i was i was excited to see this come out because i i kind of i kind of already knew the years that went into the <laughs> development uh, of of the program and and i i made the mistake a few years ago of asking mike for a conditioning program to uh, <laughs> to to do and and uh i sent him he sent me the the his suggestions and and cuz as we've already established i don't follow programs um but he sent me the suggestions and i my email back was what did i do to you why why do you hate <laughs> me so much um cuz cuz i knew it was going to be a rough uh, a rough program um but yeah i i think that's a you know Laying out interval versus repeat, uh, uh, looking at the modality, um, your testing and starting points, um, all super, super valuable. Um, what do you want people to get from the from building the engine?
0: It's um, a great question. But uh, before before I answer that, I do want to say one thing about the uh, Tabata protocol. Um The Tabata protocol was a VO2 max based protocol and, and you were supposed, it was used uh, with, with trained individuals working at 170% of their VO2 max. So you're supposed to perform uh, 170% of your VO2 max for 20 seconds, rest for 10, do that for four minutes. Um, So even if you are getting on a bike and pedaling like hell for 20 and resting for 10, you're probably still not hitting 170%. Um, So to give you an idea I mean, a hundred, so, so, you know, Lance Armstrong, his VO two max was, uh, I want to say it was like right around 85. So, you know, he'd be doing some pretty crazy repeats uh, of that. But my point is, is, but it's kind of the same idea, right? He's got a higher VO two max. So he has to work harder to make uh, sort of bigger jumps and and bigger gains. But um, my point is, is that, you know, I want people to, to understand that with any type of programming finding a baseline and having a starting point is really, really important, especially if you are in the world of doing boot camps and you're just putting together these random intervals and you think you're doing a good thing for your clients. And, and just because you're making someone tired doesn't mean that you're, you're getting them better. And look, like I've worked with athletes, uh, the same athletes for a decade plus. So, uh, you know, having the ability to program for people for years 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 and years and years and years and years and still make progress, that's, that's the rubber meets the road and and just putting together hard intervals uh for the sake of just torturing someone um it's just unnecessary so you know i i would say there's two things that i really want people to get out of this is if you're a coach understand that you need baseline testing if you're working with people you need a starting point and and however you want to test cool but just make sure it's safe and specific to the individual so that's number one because that way we can literally customize a program so this program is a customizable customizable program based off of your testing. So you do the testing and then you enter in the numbers based off of percentages. But people just don't do that because they want ass kickers or they want something, they want a workout. They want a workout that's hard. I mean, no one ever asks me for a running program. They ask me, what's a hard workout? And I'm like- a program is going to is gonna gently provide these small steps of adaptation that eventually over time are going to get you towards your goals. Anybody can make you really retired, but it needs to be repeatable. And that's why you'll see when I do even my jumps in this program, you know, we're doing, you know, sometimes it's only two extra repetitions or one extra repetition, but it's building over time. So, um, I think testing is important and I think incremental steps is important, but also understanding the laws of physiology. And, um, you know, if, the cool thing now is I can look at almost anybody's program and I can dissect the program and know where they got that from because I've been doing this for that long. Um, and, and 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 some people have asked me about this program too. And I had to explain to them, well, yeah, you know, based off of uh, this data and this research, this is really good. But we also have to remember that I'm training fighters. I'm not just training people to get good at exercising. So I have to think about all the other stuff that's going on in their week on top of it. So that's why if people look at, well, how come only X amount of these and how come you're doing only X amount of these instead of this? And this is what the data says. It's like, well, we're dealing with humans and uh, less is more. And just because, you know, a book said do this and this doesn't mean it's going to have a a quality uh, application to specific individuals. So um, I think knowing the laws. Uh, and, and knowing that the science is important, but applying it and, and understanding what modalities do well together, what modalities don't do well together, how to layer things, how to organize things, the importance of wave loading. Um, and, and that's what I want people to get out of it. And that's why when I released this, I was like, you know what, I really feel comfortable that this is going to do the right thing because I've been using it. It's a culmination of a decade and, and taking you know hundreds of athletes through it and, and streamlining it. And, and I'll be honest, this is a a little bit more of a tame variation than the original one. um, Because some of the other, uh, some of the other intervals and and guidelines I I was going to use was almost a little bit more too aggressive, uh, almost only a peaking protocol. So I decided, you know what, I wanted to back down some things. So, um, but again, that was just, you know, I started off putting things together. Sometimes you make a dish and it's a little too spicy and you got to, you got to make the next dish and not add so many spices. So it literally is, it's trial and error for sure.
1: I love it and uh there, i saw uh, many years ago saw a saying in a thai restaurant that uh, an overnight success takes 10 years yep and uh, i i think that applies in in a lot of different areas so um i'm i'm thrilled that the book's out I, um people should uh people should get it learn from it and uh if i ever buy an air bike i'll or have access to one for a while I'll i'll run it myself um, no, you won't but uh no you won't well i i can a, i can say, I, I, say it on the podcast
0: podcast okay we'll edit it out don't worry i'm you know me with my <laughs> editing skills um i appreciate the kind words though i the fact that you've been saying that i i know you mean it so um Brett will report back in eight weeks no i'm just kidding um no it, it was fun <laughs> to do man i got some other stuff coming too it's just uh it's just time and I won't release anything unless I'm really happy with it, which is the reason why I haven't released anything in a long time. So, um, but, uh, that's all I got. Anything else you want well, to ask? I, I, no, I, I, I think that, um,
1: if, if anything, the amount of information that, that we put together on the podcast today and, and, uh, should, uh, definitely pique people's interest into, uh, getting the the ebook and, and peeling, a few layers uh away themselves. And um I I recommend it to my students um because it's just I I know what sits behind it. I know uh that it's effective and and I can recommend it with confidence. And um so I appreciate uh appreciate you, appreciate you putting it out there. Um and um yeah it was it was good to good to peel back the cover a little bit huh book joke uh peel back the cover a little bit and
0: uh take a look at uh what's uh what's what's in the engine yeah well if you wanted to peel back what's going on in my brain i think you'd be absolutely mortified to see what the hell goes on in my in my <laughs> stupid head of mine just ask my wife um she's God bless her. Anywho, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose podcast. We do truly appreciate it. If you could do us a huge favor, please give us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening to, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose podcast.